Hey all, welcome back to Making Sense with Nydia. I am Nydia. Uh, before I start with this episode, I just want to say, uh, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been listening, sharing, and again, feedback. I appreciate all of it. The podcast is still not on Apple uh, Music. I don't know why it's taking forever, but if you do listen to podcasts on Apple or if you know someone that listens to it on Apple Music, let me know because I can send you a direct link. I don't understand how it works, but it works that way and then you can actually listen to it through the Apple Music or uh, Apple Podcast on your phone. <laughs> I like to I like to listen here and just anything spooky. I don't believe it all, but I do believe some of it. Uh, what else? Let's see. I wanted to like do the announcements before I start with this episode. I'm looking forward. Uh, beginning next weekend will be our first spooky episode. So I'm going to start doing like the spooky season. Like I mentioned in the last episode, I love Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Of course, I love everything spooky. This is how spooky I get. I will listen to like scary stories all day at work for eight hours. No stop. And I, I don't know if that's toxic or not. That's five days a week that I'm doing it. This is something I've been wanting to do since I started the podcast. So I'm very excited. So if you have any spooky stories to tell me, please start thinking of them and writing them down so that you can send those to me. I am going to start with the first scary movie that you watched as a child and go from there. So heads up, that's what's coming up next. I'm going to tell you now what this episode is going to be about. It is about my most vivid memories as a child that revolve around me realizing that my native language, which is Spanish, was not the common language in my new home when I came from Mexico to the United States. So my mother came to the U.S. when she was in her early 20s. I was only three years old. I believe my mother was either 23. I think she was 23. And yeah, I was only three. So because I was so young, all my memories are after Mexico. So post-Mexico. And my most vivid memory happens to be, I think, the most painful memory as a child. Because I have like a couple of vivid ones and they're all painful right? I, I don't know. Is that, is that common? Is that what we like associate vivid memories with when, as a, as a child? Let me know. Let me know what you think. But, um, my first vivid memory is when my mother wanted to try a daycare that was literally across the street from the apartments we were living in. And I think she just wanted to try the daycare because she didn't want to have to rely on her siblings to watch her child. You know, she wanted she was, she's always been very independent. Like I, that's where I get it from. I'm very independent and she's like that. So she wanted to try a different, uh, outlet for babysitting instead of just relying on her siblings. So she took me to the daycare and I, you know, I didn't care. I thought I was going to be able to pay, play with the children. And I really had not been out much to the point that I would understand that Spanish is not spoken everywhere. 
So we go to the daycare. I don't remember exactly how we get there and what happens before I'm actually in the room trying to talk to children. But the first thing I remember is that I go to like these, like, you know how I'm, well, I'm saying, you know how, like you've been to daycare, but a lot of daycares have like tables set up in groups so that you are talking to many children. And I go to one of the tables and sit down and the kids do try to talk to me, but I have no clue what they're saying. And I'm, I instantly feel like I need to recluse from everybody there because I feel like an outcast and I have not ever felt that way because up until then I had always hung out with like my cousins and the neighborhood kids that did speak Spanish. By the way, we lived in these apartments that were on 32nd street in between Thomas and McDowell, which at the time was probably like a very inexpensive area, but now it's like a super expensive area. (laughs) But at the time there were a lot of Hispanic children and so I I hadn't experienced uh, the communication issue yet until that daycare. That's probably why it's my most vivid memory. So the kids started talking to me. I instantly, you know, don't want to be there. I'm instantly confused. And then the next thing I remember is they uh, blow the whistle to go outside. And it's a playground all the kids are playing. No kid is by themselves. You know, every kid has like a friend or a group of friends. And I try one more time to talk to someone and we don't understand each other. So I just go all the way to the corner of the playground. There's a tire swing set at the corner and I just go over there and I spent the whole time there. I don't know how long we were supposed to be outside, but I spent the whole time there. I do remember one of the adults came over and checked on me and I didn't know what she said. I just nodded. I don't know what she asked. And then she left again. And then I cried. I just remember crying until I heard the whistle to go back inside. I was so upset. I just wanted to go home. And so That's all I remember of the daycare. And that's only in the morning because my mom didn't come and pick me up until in the afternoon. And that's all I remember. I don't remember when she came to get me. I don't remember, you know, the kids leaving. I don't remember any of it. I just remember going back inside, dreading to go back inside after crying in the tire swing. And after that, I think the adults must have told my mom I was crying. Um, and I, I, my uncle, one of my uncles, I have two uncles, but one of my uncles always was always with my mom. What I'm assuming happened is he came with my mom and he was a little bit, he tried to learn English as soon as possible. So he learned, he probably understood it more and must have explained to my mom what they were saying. After that, like I said, she never brought me there again. And I was just being watched by, with my cousins all together. We were every single day. Now, the daycare had all English speaking adults and all the kids spoke English. The daycare happened in what I'm going to say around March, right before 
because I remember um, having to wear a sweater, but it wasn't like a, a thick sweater. It was like a, a light sweater. See, because I even, I forgot to say this. My vivid, my memory is so vivid of the daycare that I can smell it when I talk about it. Sometimes I'll go into a place and I'll smell the area and realize, oh my God, it takes me way back to that daycare. And I remember the carpets being like, like a light, no, I'm sorry, like a dark blue and they were just dirty. I remember the stairs to go down wasn't really a stair. It was like a wooden rail. I remember exactly where it's at. It's there. It's no, it's not there anymore, but I, I, I know what replaced it. And for the longest time, when we would drive by it, I always just, I hated it. Was, I didn't hate it. It was such a sad area for me. Anyway, when I was four, I went to kinder. Still not same area, the Papago area. And Kinder and Head I'm sorry, Head Start and Kinder were so different because back in the day you were placed, I don't know how it works now, I don't have kids, but back in the day you would be placed in a classroom that spoke the language, like if you were Spanish speaking only, then you were just in like a Spanish speaking class. Everybody spoke Spanish and so did the teacher. So I didn't have issues there and I made friends and I loved it. I love those memories. My Head Start and my Kinder memories are one of the best. Another vivid memory I have was is when in Kinder, no, I'm sorry, in yeah, in Kinder, we learned about the gingerbread man. And me as a Hispanic child, no clue what the fuck a gingerbread man was, right? And no clue. I thought it was an actual man. And then the lesson was so so appropriate, you know, so good because they built, they made a gingerbread man. We made a gingerbread man out of, you know, like, like an actual gingerbread man. We cooked a gingerbread man and we learned the story first and then we made it together. Then we took a recess break and we came back and the teacher set it up to look like the gingerbread man had actually gotten up and left like in the book. And they, while we all were, you know, like in that mystery coming back from recess, one of the teachers was placing like flower, like the gingerbread flower footsteps around the campus. It was the cutest thing. And honestly, for a while I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to be a teacher simply because of those teachers. I wanted to be a teacher like of Kinder or Head Start. It was just... And it's such a vivid memory. And so I, again, that's when like the gingerbread man thing clicked. And that's one of, again, it's a vivid memory. It's a good one, but it's a, it's super vivid because it was just the way they did it, which makes another point about how important teachers, good teachers are. Okay, moving on. I feel like the realization of my native language, you know, not being the norm in my new home is it that just brings up a lot of issues later on for me. Um, because I was so shame ashamed. From then on, I constantly tried to stay quiet around people, for example, even when I needed it. For example, mom and my stepdad got together shortly after those apartments 
where I told you I lived across the street from the preschool and bought a house uh, at the time. I think it was like an like an up and coming area and it was such an exciting move for both of them and even for me because I was going to have my own room and live in a house. It was, I was excited. We moved to 43rd Avenue Thomas, which is just places you don't want to live in anymore. But you wouldn't I don't think anybody now would be like I'm going to buy a house there. <laughs> but anyway, uh we moved in on the west side and that meant I was going to be going to first grade at the PT Cole Elementary School. I attended Head Start in Kinder, finished Kinder in that Papago area, East Phoenix. And then I made that move. I was a little upset, just a tiny, tiny bit, because I realized that my friends weren't, because I asked my mom, like, is new school going to have my friends, you know, because those friends that I had made in kinder were now going to go to first grade across the street to Papago. And my mom said, no, you're going to go to a new school, but it's going to be great, blah, blah, blah. I was a little afraid. It's a little upset, but I didn't. Once I saw the house, I was like, this is so exciting, blah, blah, blah. So fast forward to first grade, I took the bus and I was so excited for the bus because I had seen all these shows and the bus was always involved and it looked like no big deal. It was just a normal thing, which by the way, also it's so interesting how as kids, we watch these English shows and we don't understand them, but we're so entertained by them. That was me. And again, the school bus, I was just so excited. So we, I took the school bus to my new school. It was a first grade and I had no fucking clue where I was supposed to go from there. Because in my head, as a first grader, the campus was fucking a college campus. You know, it was fucking huge because you're a short little thing. You're small. You, you just... Everything is big. That's what she said. But then I got off the bus and I was lost. So what I did is I followed most of the like the kids to where they were going, which they were going to the playground. But I realized like I need to find where the fuck I need to go because once the bell rings, if I'm not there, I'm going to get in trouble. Again, I had seen all these shows. That's how I even knew bells were supposed to ring because in kinder and head start, I don't remember bells ringing. And I remember like trying to walk around the campus. I tried to ask someone and they pointed me. I think they thought I asked for the cafeteria. So they pointed me towards the cafeteria, which was at the far north end of the building. And it was the last building. And I went all the way over there. I'm like, damn it. They sent me to the cafeteria. I was starting to panic. I didn't want to ask anyone else. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to find my classroom. I was just, you know, I was freaking out. But this girl came over, must have seen I was in distress. And she asked me in Spanish if I was lost. I said, yeah, I don't know where this teacher is. I remember my teacher. I remember her, but I don't remember her name. But she had a brother, his name was Adrian, and he was in my class. And I remember their last name, which I won't 
say because I was like, oh, this, the, you know, I told her, showed her. She's like, oh, yeah, Adrian, this is my brother. He's in that class with you. I'll walk you guys over there. So she walked me over there. And that's the only reason I think I made it to my classroom before the bell rung. And after that, I just, that memory is, again, vivid because after that, I saw her kind of like just a lifesaver slash the nicest person in the school. I had a big admiration for her after that. And her her brother was really quiet. Um, and she had a little or sis- smaller sister who was going to start kinder. And she was the cutest thing. Uh, and she was in third grade, I believe. But that was the other vivid memory because I got lost again. And it was, again, a lack of communication because of the whole language barrier. After that, you know, you're placed in a classroom where the teacher speaks Spanish, most of the kids speak Spanish, and you're learning English. I don't have memories about language barriers after that, but the whole issue of not knowing English is annoying to me now that I'm older because I was very ashamed of the fact that I didn't speak English, but I was even more ashamed at the fact that I did not stop going to a bilingual class until I was in fourth grade. And so when kids would ask me, you know, if I had uh, Spanish speaking teachers, I said, yes, you know, native um, English was my native language. They would ask then like, oh, when did you go to an all English class? And I started lying after the first time because when I said fourth grade, once I got to fourth grade, I was in an all English class. Kids made fun of me and were like, what? That is so long. I was in there on my second grade, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you learned it all in first grade? Fuck. They were lying or not, but I was ashamed. So I started lying after that first time. And I would say, you know, after second grade, I was in an all English class. For the longest time. I I think I lied so much I started believing that lie. But no, my first all-English teacher was Miss McHugh. She was white because all my other teachers had been Hispanic, but she was my white, my first white teacher. And she introduced me to Harry Potter. She introduced me to the word gossip. <laughs> I remember her very clearly. She was very, very, very nice. Now that I'm older, I realize... There's absolutely nothing wrong with the fact that I did not go to an all-English class until I was in fourth grade because I was in a home where my mom was speaking Spanish, my stepdad was speaking Spanish. To, because my mom was, was an all-Spanish speaker, my stepdad does speak English and is you know fluent English and Spanish, but we were speaking Spanish in my household. So I was going home and hanging out with my friends and hanging out with my family and it's all Spanish. And then I had just one English for like, well, the TV was English (laughs) and you know, the classroom was half Spanish, half English. So now that I'm older again, I realize it just makes sense. Like, of course, some of us are going to uh, figure it out faster and others are not. And that's okay because more than likely your your Spanish intake is way bigger than your English intake. So now that I'm older, I don't have any shame 
in admitting that I was not placed in an all English class until I was in fourth grade. And I understand it. So it took me, you know, as a child, it took me a few years, but I was a child. What I'm getting at is another reason why I also bring this up is because I get so irritated at the ignorant comments people make when they say you're in America, learn English, or when they get mad that people speak Spanish. It is not only ignorant, but it is incorrect because when you're an adult, it's a lot harder to learn a language than when you're a child. I want to say that's a fact. (laughs) I remember reading about it. Uh, But I mean, now we're almost, I'm going to say we, because I know most of us that listen to the podcast are around my age, but we're almost 30 or some of us are 30. And taking on a new language right now would just be like a bitch, you know? I know that for a fact, like I've tried it, it wasn't easy, and I didn't even want to. (laughs) So... I just think it's so ignorant, rude, and none of your fucking business when people speak a different language. And another thing, too, is I don't understand why people get so worked up about it because this country was made up of immigrants. I mean, the colonizers immigrated, brought on black slaves. They took over Mexican countries, Mexican uh, properties, I mean, there is so much immigration that came about that was okay with the United States until it wasn't anymore. So to now be in 2020 saying racist things like that and just ignorant things that contradict the history of the United States is just disgusting. Sure, my mother can learn English, but how do you not know that she hasn't tried? My mom has been here, yes, forever. And she thinks she speaks English, but her English is very broken. (laughs) But she tries and she has tried to learn it. It is very difficult for her. So, and on top of that, parents are trying to make a living, maintain a household. They don't have time to spend all this time learning English because it is time consuming. I mean, we were going to school for, you know, I what, what is it, like seven, eight hours every single day for five days a week and, you know, learning all these things. So we were giving at least, you know, two hours to each topic and every single day. So do parents have that kind of time to be giving two hours to English learning every single day? I'm going to tell you, no, they sure as fuck don't. So before you say that idiot thing, shut the fuck up. Think about it. My mantra, I swear, my mantra is put yourself in their shoes before you make a decision, before you say something. I try my hardest to do that all the time. I feel like that is why a lot of like relationships that I have in my life are so solid is because I try my best to put myself in that other person's shoe before I say something or make a decision. That way I take my time. And I mold whatever thing I'm going to say or my decision around the fact that I already did that. So if I still go 
on and cut you off or say something. It's because once I put myself in your shoes, I didn't understand why you were doing that to me. (laughs) That is my mantra. I always do that. And it's like the best advice ever. Put yourself in their shoes. It's probably not going to be easy for you to learn a language, another language. And also, what is so wrong with speaking another language? Because again, this country was built up on immigrants and this country was very diverse at one point. I'm sorry, it diversity was seen as good at one point. And now we're just like, no, you know, we're just little racist assholes. I keep saying we, but it's not me. I am not. I don't want to be included in that. But anyway, the immigration issue is bigger than just come in the right way. Don't come in the right way. Leave your kids, blah, blah, blah. Don't bring your kids. If you don't want them in cages, don't bring your kids, blah, blah, blah. (sighs) But with that, you're saying these things, but you're not putting yourself in their shoes and you're not thinking of the privilege that you were born into that none of us had a control over. You were born in the United States and you're saying these things, but you would probably think differently and act differently if you were born somewhere else. You say, I would come in the right way, but you don't know. You don't know. There are a lot of times that I hear people say, well, I would have done this. And well, if if it were me, blah, blah, blah. And then I see the situation actually does come to them and they don't do what they said they were going to do because things are very different when you think about them and when you're actually in the situation. So not only is it ignorant to say that, but again, you're not thinking of that privilege that you have. And you know, I'm relieved that we have started pointing out privilege and we're not saying like, oh, you're privileged, you're an asshole, but it's like, you have a privilege, please realize it before you say something stupid or act on it. You know, learn that you have a privilege, accept it and work on the fact that you have it. So instead of saying something stupid, acknowledge that privilege and not just go head on and butt heads with someone not acknowledging your privilege because that is so frustrating nowadays. There's nothing wrong with being privileged, but there is something wrong when you ignore the fact that you're privileged. And now you're trying to say that that situation would never happen to you because you wouldn't act that way if you were in that situation. And that applies to a lot that is going on right now. When you have privilege and you say that shit, it is so disrespectful and annoying, just ridiculous. Because again, no, you don't. No, you would not act that way. No, you don't have a shit clue of what you're saying because it's very different. You've always been this privileged person. You've always been born here. You've always been white. You've always been a man, you know? So there are just so many situations that women, immigrants, Spanish speakers, black people can say, and someone else that has privilege will acknowledge it and just say, I would have never done that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have resisted. I wouldn't have came here illegally. I would have learned English you know? But the fact is, more than likely, you wouldn't have. All of those things that they're saying, you would have been in that position and it would have been very different. It's that privilege that you're not acknowledging, that you're not taking a step back and saying, you know what? I don't know. 
I honestly don't know because I've never been in that position. I've never been in that situation. I've never had that skin color. I've never had that fear as a woman. Do you know? Like there's so many things that now that we're talking about it more, it is privilege and there's nothing wrong. You didn't have control of that. But don't say something stupid without acknowledging that privilege, without taking that privilege into account. That's my point. Again, <laughs> my memories are based on that. And what I'm getting at really is why I wanted to do this episode is just to say what I just said, which is, you know, acknowledging privilege, realize what you're saying before you say it, be a little bit more considerate of others, and most importantly, make sure you're going out to vote. Now more than ever, it is so important for you to vote, even when your ideal candidate is not the one that's up there for you to vote. There's so much on the line. There's so much at stake. I cannot tell people enough to vote, register to vote, and to educate themselves on who they're voting on, their representatives and the propositions. Because I'm pretty sure a lot of us already know, you know, what Biden and what Trump stand for. I am biased, but I'm not going to bring that bias to the presidential part of this because we all know where I stand. So make sure you read on your representatives. I know it's a frustrating thing. It's a pain in the ass. But by now, we should have all received a booklet in the mail telling us about the representatives that we're voting on and the propositions. So make sure you read up on them. The most important propositions we have in the Arizona election are Proposition 207 and 208. They are both in that booklet, and there are plenty of arguments for and against each proposition. Make sure you read up on them so that you make the best decision for you. I'm sorry, the best vote for you and your values. There is a lot to both of them, honestly. it's it's Again, things are not just black and white. So just make sure that you read on that and educate yourself. Because I know for a fact <laughs> that some voters will go in there uneducated and just select for that big name. So either, you know, either Trump or Biden. And then from there, just any miny mo, all the candidates. All the candidates are just any miny mo and not be educated on any of the things you're voting on. But it is important. You should take that time, take at least, you know, one day and quickly just look at their profiles, their bio or their, what they stand for really quick, their values. And make your decision from that if you don't want to go in deep. Because you could always go in deep, look at articles, look at their social media. Oh my goodness. The social media is so important. You can just go on their Twitter and you're going to learn a lot. So I recommend that. Again, the Proposition 207-208, one is legalizing weed and the other one is uh, funding for teachers. So, but... See how black and white that is? It isn't. So make sure that you read up on those because it's not so black and white. So I'm going to give you now the key dates on election day. I'm sorry, the key dates for voting. Election day is November the 3rd, which I believe falls on a Tuesday. Registration deadlines 
online registration is October the 5th. That is your deadline and it's coming up very soon, October the 5th. So make sure you are registered by then. Your absentee ballot deadline is October the 23rd. Uh, you need to return it by mail and needs to be received by November the 3rd. If you are going to drop off your absentee ballot, it needs to be done on November the 3rd. Early voting is October 7th through October 30th, um, but dates and hours may vary based on where you live. If you're going to request an absentee ballot and you're not so sure what you want to do with that ballot, you don't know if you want to send it out. Excuse me. You, if you're not sure how you want to vote, you have a couple of options. Uh, I know that this family <laughs> likes to do the absentee ballot, but because this year has been, you know, just a fucking clusterfuck, this family likes to fill out the absentee ballot and then drop it off on November 3rd at the polling places. You get to skip the line. You just go and you just drop it off. It's no big deal. It's super easy, super fast. And that is probably the best option um, if you don't want to wait in line at the voting place. And if you don't want to sell it, send it through mail. If you want to send it through mail, I would do it as soon as possible. Do not wait very close to the end of October. But yes, I just gave you your deadlines and they are coming pretty soon like that. Registration deadline is super, super soon. So make sure that you are registered to vote. Make sure you're educating yourself and make sure that you're advocating the voting. Make sure you tell your adults, adulter, the bigger adults, <laughs> the older adults that in your family to go out to vote. Because I remember doing that in 2009. I made my stepdad go out to vote. He wasn't going to. And just, you know, 2000, I'm sorry, 2008. In 2008, I forced people to go out to vote and I couldn't vote yet. Actually, to be honest, I can't vote, period. I'm not a citizen yet. So really, when I post things about that, they're all for you guys because I can't vote, unfortunately. So anyway, make sure all of you vote. Make sure you're reminding the adults they need to go out to vote. You're revi reminding your really young kids you need to go out to vote because if you hound them, they will. I've done it several times to all my family members. And with that, that is all I wanted to say for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really, it was really emotional going down this lane again, but I hope that you guys can at least try to, for anybody who doesn't already understand these issues, I hope you can try to understand the issues and I hope you are advocating for people to go vote and that you are watching these deadlines. Make sure you're keeping an eye on them. I will talk to you guys soon. Remember, we are switching to that spooky season mindset. The first question is going to be, what was the first scary movie you watched? I'm so excited to read all of these. Let's get it. Let's get it popping. I'm so, 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 so excited for Halloween. I'm a Halloween queen. I'll talk to you guys later.